Welcome back. My name is Chris Gosselin, and today we're talking to Rob Hay from Collins Street Asset Management. Rob, yeah. welcome. Thanks for having me along. So we've seen some pretty turbulent times over the past year. Uh, what's been happening at Collins Street? Certainly there have been some choppy waters, Chris, for investors to navigate, but certainly where there is uncertainty, there's opportunity. And at Collins Street Asset Management, within our flagship Collins Street Value Fund, we do have the opportunity to hold an unconstrained allocation to cash and approach these market dislocations from a position of strength. And indeed, over the last few months, we've been adding some new names to the portfolio, some names which have more recently sold off, others which for quite a period of time, Chris, have been a little bit too expensive for us as deep value contrarian investors. And as they say, you never want to uh, miss out on opportunities like these. So we've been putting cash to work and making good on the research efforts that have been well over 12 months in the making into some of these names in order to set ourselves up well for the next period ahead. So if we look at the next period ahead, it's, uh, you know, put a a nautical view on it, they're pretty choppy waters. Um, you know, it looks like a recession is almost inevitable in the US as their inflation, uh, you know, around 10% and the Fed absolutely intent on crushing that inflation at any cost to the, the economy. Uh, yeah. The UK and Europe are in all sorts of problems. China would appear to be in all sorts of problems, having really sort of kept the world economy uh, in a buoyant mode for a few years now, up until COVID. So taking these opportunities and in, in times of dislocation and in times of uncertainty, is that the right time to be doing it? Well, certainly, Chris. Uh, when everybody else feels that a stock or a sector is unloved, then that's a time where it becomes interesting to us. Well, certainly, put back another way, Chris, if every other investor you'd spoken to had all told you that they had the number one idea and they all said the same thing, a lot of the value's probably already been taken out. But one area that we have been very high conviction in over the last 12 months is in the energy space. And we've seen, particularly in Europe, but certainly uh, across a number of other countries around the world, that the old adage that timeframes and outcomes don't perfectly overlap is very much true. And there is a very noble pursuit towards the likes of renewable energy and cleaner energy sources and the like. However, the reality is that our economy, be it through transport, be it manufacturing, uh, be it airlines and the like, are still heavily reliant on the traditional oil and gas sector. This is a sector which has been stripped of new project financing, stripped of insurance opportunities, and has had a chronic undersupply issue for a period of time. Alongside this, it's been heavily criticised and unloved, particularly in the institutional space. And a lot of the stocks operating in that sector have been sold off and are trading at substantial discounts, both to the market and their longer-term historical averages. And so for us, as an unconstrained investor, we've been able to look at this energy transition and look at some of the names and opportunities in that space which have been sold off heavily, but which are presenting compelling opportunities to investors. Now, Chris, these take a number of different forms and can operate in a few different ways. On one hand, within the Collins Street Value Fund, we've got a large position in Beach Energy, and we've also recently announced to the market a substantial holding in Carnarvon Energy. 
Alongside that, however, thinking about energy more broadly, we have positions in the likes of MMA Offshore, the old Mermaid Marine, which services the offshore oil and gas sector. Having said that, though, Chris, they also generate a good 20% of their revenues in offshore wind generation and the like as well. And so they're very much a company operating in the here and now, but also focusing toward the future state, which provides a very interesting take on the energy play uh, in the Australian market, but one which we have a very high conviction in over the next 12 to 18 months. So, Rob, this is very much, or to a degree, it's straw hats in winter because markets are looking, I would have thought, choppy at best and and with... um, significant headwinds i'm getting back into my nautical themes here significant headwinds to them um you're taking those opportunities how long do you see the time frame of these kind of of this market do you see this as a market that the recession might be over or interest rates or inflation might have peaked uh, in the next 12 to 18 months? What's your macro view? It is very difficult to get a handle on what the macro world will look like over a 12 to 18-month period. And certainly projecting the timing and intensity of things like inflation or interest rates can be very difficult. And so for that reason, we tend to focus on those businesses with very simple and resilient business models where we can identify the source of their income, their ability to pass on inflation, uh, pass on cost pressures and the like to their end consumer as part of our research and due diligence. But what I would go back to, though, Chris, is that when we're looking at the broader macro environment, and in very much the same way, I think, as when we're looking at individual companies, is we have to look at future expectations, the way in which the Fed or the Reserve Bank Governor here in Australia or politicians, corporate executives and so on, are guiding the market. And over the last 12 to 18 months, Chris, I think you would agree that there has been a severe lack of credibility in a lot of the guidance that's been provided. And I'm sure, Chris, those listening to us today will certainly remember that not too long ago we heard interest rates weren't going to be rising again until 2024. And certainly that has changed quite substantially over a period of time. And so if we bring that down to what fund managers can do or use in a practical sense, we've had the recent ASX reporting season come through where we've had some companies provide guidance, some not, some companies being transparent about the revenue lines across different divisions, some not, and certainly some having more credibility in their ability to execute upon their corporate strategy over the foreseeable future. And so for that reason, having... Investing in those companies where you can have that confidence, where there is that credibility and you can have some assurity is absolutely key. But it certainly won't be for everyone and it certainly won't be found uniformly across the market or certainly in the realms of uh, the the halls of power, Chris, uh, with various forms of stimulus being unwound all around the world. So you see this as being uh, the opportunity. What happens if... The, the if the market really turns sour because at the moment it's had a significant pullback yes it may be in bear market territory but the bears are suggesting it's got a long uh, a, still got a long way to go um are you of that view or do you just see 
whatever the market, there are going to be opportunities of some things being oversold and getting down to compelling value. Well, that's the beautiful thing about being unconstrained, Chris, is that we don't have to buy the market as a whole. And we view the market as being made up of a couple of thousand individual businesses, all with their own unique nuances to them. And certainly there'll be winners and losers. Uh, however, as a deep value contrarian investor, Chris, even if the market halved hypothetically overnight, we still wouldn't be buying a market. We'd still be looking for that top 1% to 2% of value to be found in those companies that were operating in that environment. And that's where we feel that we can add value to our investors by buying those companies with known assets and known cash flows at a very deep discount to their intrinsic worth. So steer away from tech still? I mean, you've never really been a chaser of those, you know, incredibly high valuations on uh, on future outcomes? It is true. It is an area that we have avoided. The valuations have been quite just incredibly high, Chris, across the board. For us as value investors, we're trying to buy something that's worth a dollar today for 50 cents. We're not buying something or we're not going to pay a dollar for something that's worth a dollar in the hope that it will grow to $2 down the track. Because to do that type of strategy, you're banking on management execution, you're banking on total addressable markets, which seem to be growing to infinity. And therein lies increased level of risk. If we can actually point to what those cash flows look like today, what the profit is today, and what the asset backing of the company is today, then we can confidently buy into a position where it's trading at less than that. Very different to say those tech names where you're relying upon all manner of future hopes and dreams coming to fruition in order to drive a profit. Your track record, Rob, at the Collins Street Fund has always been very good. Um, you haven't had a negative year. This year you've obviously got four or five months to go and you're in broad terms flat. Which is a which is a pretty credible performance in the current environment. Um, is performance more important than downside risk, or the other way around, or do you balance those in your decision making? Capital preservation always has to come first, Chris. And it's not to say there won't be some bounces along the way. Volatility, particularly for a high conviction strategy like ours, is part and parcel. But we would much rather miss an opportunity that goes up substantially that we weren't confident in. And for that reason, protecting the downside is always front and foremost in our thinking. Now, there are no shortage of investment ideas and stocks that we have missed out on that have performed incredibly well. But if it doesn't fall part of our area of expertise, or if we can't get sufficient comfort that we're buying it with enough margin of safety, then it won't be for us. And yes, that will see us miss out on those opportunities. But again, deep dive due diligence into everything that we invest in is at the heart of what we do. And we can't sacrifice that in any way at all. Rob, thank you very much. I think that's a, a fair answer. And, you know, you're in the top quintile in our database over one, three and five years. Um, that's uh, that, that puts you amongst a pretty sort of rare breed to be in that position over all those periods. So long may it continue and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Chris. Have a great day.